I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. We are so thrilled to be back with you again. Uh, We're recording this on April 13, 2023 for release this month. Quick shout out. We've got a new Patreon subscriber, Anne. Thanks so much for joining us. Who is it? Anne? Anne. Yay. Welcome, Anne. Welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to talk about this because it is a data-heavy day. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This is all you all day. When we logged on, Brittany was like, so I didn't read the thing. And I was like, don't you worry. I got it. This is what I live for. You're like, remember that article you told me about that you said that I should read? Yeah, I didn't read it. Okay. But you're here for me. I am so here for you and the listeners of the Nonprofit Reframe. I got your back. So you don't have to worry your eyes with reading shit. Okay, great. Just listen to my voice. As I fall asleep. (laughs) We do have a listener who enjoys that. So uh, shout out, Marty. Hopefully you have a good night's sleep. (laughs) As we lull you into sleep. (laughs) All right. So what are we talking about? We're going to be talking about the new report that just came out from the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy on what Americans think about philanthropy and nonprofits. Spooky noises. Or it's like, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) First and foremost, I think we should just, right off the bat, before we hit the report, can we talk about the Lily family? I know very little about them. And you know what's sad? I went there for one semester. Not the Lily School, but it's it's University of Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah. The Lily School is only like 11 years old. Oh, no wonder. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No wonder it didn't exist when I was there. Okay. So you're not familiar with the Lily family at all? I'm not. Please tell me. Tell me more. If I were to add Eli Lily, would that help? Nope. Nothing. Okay. That's a lot of L's, lots of I's, but nope. (laughs) (laughs) So some of our listeners might know Eli Lily because they've been in the headlines recently because of insulin pricing. No. Yes. Yes, they have. Eli Lilly is a pharmaceutical company. It's not a person. Is it a person's name too? Well, it it's a it's a person's name and it's also the company now. They make my cat's insulin, for instance. Random. Shout out, Glargine. They've been around over a hundred years, all kinds of different pharmaceutical things, all kinds of different controversies surrounding them. And going back generations, a very philanthropic family. So back in the 30s, they set up the Lilly Family Endowment, which gave to the Lilly School. Okay. All right. And are they from Indiana? Actually, that's a great question. I think they are. The company is in Indiana because I also saw where recently there's been talk about them moving because of some of the abortion stuff happening in the state of Indiana. Like, State of Indiana is like trying to stop abortions and Lily is like, then we're going to move somewhere else because it's not good for our employees. So that part's good. So that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So they're not like evil. I mean, they're not evil, but but they hiked. So just give me a quick, the thing about insulin is that they hiked up the prices so high that nobody can afford it. And then people are dying from it or getting very sick. Yeah. And of course, to be clear, like they're not 
alone in this, but it, they also have a history of it. Like there were a bunch of lawsuits because they were charging individuals on the market a ton more than hospitals for various drugs. And I mean, just in general, pharmaceutical companies aren't like what I think of as businesses doing social good. Benevolent. They're not benevolent. No. As much as I rely on my pharmaceuticals to get through the day, I can appreciate them and still not like trust them as businesses. I think that's fair. So to name a philanthropy school after them, I don't know. It just it it doesn't make me feel good. Or is it baller? Or is it like we're going to just try to really confuse everyone? <laughs> I don't think it's that. No. <laughs> I mean, for the Lily family, they're like, what can we do to change the perception We'll fund a school of philanthropy and everybody will think that we're such good people. I don't know. But Nia Wasink is here to say, uh-uh, not going to fool me. Not going to fool me. We are not laundering your reputation <laughs> for you. I mean, I also just think it's risky, right? Like with any naming, it's risky. But with a pharmaceutical company, it feels especially risky. For the University of Indiana. Why do I keep saying the university? Indiana University? I don't know. Yeah. For them. I see. I see. Well, money talks, right? Clearly. So for those of you outside of nonprofits, most folks just refer to it as the Lily School. Like we we all know it. They do a ton of philanthropy publications. They do some great research uh, that I rely on regularly. So this is a massive survey they did of Americans to get perceptions. Perceptions on philanthropy, on nonprofits, on the direction the country is heading, and we got some great findings to talk through. Real quick, I always wonder with these huge surveys, like, do you, have you ever taken one? Like, where, who's taking these? How are they finding people? I do take just about every survey that comes to me. <laughs> of course you do. As a data geek, like, I understand the value of the data. So I want to help out anybody who's looking for data. That's so nice. That's so nice. <laughs> do you also take every single fundraising phone call? Like if a fundraiser calls you? Yep. I also take uh, phone polls, like political phone polls. I love those. You've now officially just been added to everybody's database. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody who's like, they have their web crawlers looking through our transcripts. They're like, add Nia Wasink. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. What did they say? Like the big heading, which we saw like the Chronicle on Philanthropy covered it. It's in their executive summary is that... Americans trust nonprofits more than government or business, but overall, there's not much trust in general for any of these entities. When were people surveyed? I'm just wondering with the pandemic, is it pre or post? It's it's amidst the pandemic. Oh, okay. Let me th- pull the methodologies. Uh, all data was collected between July 19 and August 5, 2022. That was pretty recent relevant stuff, right? Yeah, just last, yeah, last year. Yeah. So... Obviously, nonprofits having the trust of folks is really important for us to maintain fundraising. For sure. Really hard to convince people to give if they fundamentally don't trust you as an organization. Interestingly, they then broke down like so that first question was like government versus corporations versus et cetera, et cetera. But then they said within nonprofits, who do you trust the most? Ooh, I can't wait to hear. You want to guess? What are the options? Yes, I want to guess. What are the options? What okay. are the options? Okay, 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 okay. So the options are 
Wait, I want to randomize them in my head so that you don't know which is the top. Okay. Crowdfunding campaigns, donor-advised funds, private foundations, religious charitable organizations, community foundations, secular charitable organizations, high net worth individuals, impact investing, giving by corporations. So how much do you trust the following charitable entities? Is there one clear top or are they all kind of... No, there's one clear top. Oh my God, that's so hard. I wasn't expecting so many and that's like a wide variety. Yeah. What about secular organizations? Secular charitable organizations came in number three. Interesting. Interesting. So read them over one more time and then you can give the results. We won't, But I want to guess one more time. I'm not going to be able to randomize them the same way. That's okay. Crowdfunding campaigns. No. <laughs> Don't no. advise funds. No. Private foundations. High net worth individuals. Secular charitable. You already said that. Impact investing. Okay. Religious charitable organizations. No. Community foundations. Maybe community foundations? And then the last one's giving by corporations. No. Community foundations? Community foundations is number two. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so close. <laughs> Do you want to know what your prize could be? This is so fun. Okay, just give me, uh, is it donor advice funds? No, definitely not. Oh, okay, thank, thank God. God. Thank God. Okay, I just got nervous for a minute there. I'm like sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> it can't be religious organizations. Oh, but it is. Whoa. Yes. Yes, it is. That's who they trust the most? Mm-hmm. So the, the chart specifically is the percentage of respondents who say they completely or very much trust these charitable entities. And 35.6% of respondents said religious charitable organizations they completely or very much trust. Wow. So that's basically saying their place of worship? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that, but it's also like you can think about all of the religious like foundations. This is all like the philanthropy side of things, right? So I'm thinking about like Rose Community Foundation locally, which is a Jewish organization. So like my guess is it includes other things, but that's the thing with these kinds of surveys too. Everybody interprets it a little bit differently. So it's hard to say exactly what respondents were thinking. So what's the last one? What's the last? Giving by corporations. Yeah. <laughs> what about high, I would think even high net worth individuals would be near last. High net worth was third to last. Second to last was impact investing. Interesting. Isn't it? That one really like head scratcher. And my only like theory is that it, it ties to like VC kind of capital investing and just a general distrust of those sectors. But I don't really know. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. I want to tie this in to their transparency question. Okay, so the question is, how transparent, i.e. operating in such a way that is easy for others to see what actions are performed, are the following charitable entities with their giving practices? And basically, it's the same list of religious Community foundations, crowdfunding, all those. And they're having people rank them? So for each one, they were asked, like, to what extent, basically. And so the the data that they present back is what percentage of people said they completely or very much rated them as transparent. Okay. The top one was religious charitable organizations, which 
I got to say, folks don't know what the fuck they're saying. They have no idea. What are they talking about? They're just like, well, the preacher says that's what we're using our money for. Like, literally, legally, the least transparent of the options. (laughs) That's what I was. I don't get it. How are they defining trans? I mean, I know how they defined it on the survey, but like, how are the respondents defining it in their head of like, well, they told us what they're using it for and what they need it for. And we believe them. Right. Well, and I think that's where like trust and transparency, I think for a lot of folks are much more interchangeable. We trust what so-and-so says and therefore they're transparent. Wild, isn't it? So wild. You want to guess what the lowest one was on the transparency scale? Yeah. You want to guess or you want me to tell you? Oh, I'm oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Donor advice funds. No, gosh. Again, I really wish it was, but no. It should have been. Yeah. Yeah. High net worth individuals. Which, again, if you think practically, they are still somewhat more transparent than donor advised funds, where you can be totally anonymous. Right. That's so strange. It's so fascinating. One of the the key findings, like reading between all the survey responses, so what one of the things that they put in the executive summary was that Americans really don't know much about the philanthropic sector and nonprofits. <laughs> I just saw there's a webinar coming up about how does the nonprofit sector need a rebrand? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, it does, especially after reading the book we just read. (laughs) Well, I think we need more than a (laughs) rebrand. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Okay, so here's another really interesting one. Do you believe that 501c3s should be allowed to support the following activities or goals? And so then it gave them a bunch of options and asked them to say yes, no. The top with 94.6% saying, yes, nonprofits should be allowed to do this, disaster relief. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Following that, research and exploration, direct services to recipients, K-12 ed. Wait, 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 wait. Research. And exploration. And exploration comes before direct services? Yes. Yes, it does. Oh, wow. Okay. So they're based on like medical research, people are thinking, probably. That was my first thought, too. Yeah. Like, okay, you can try to find a cure for XYZ before you actually feed somebody a meal. Right. You buy your pink shit from Susan G. Komen so they can fund research and then we'll actually help the families going through cancer treatment. Right. Exactly. Okay. Just trying to get that straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then after direct services is education, K-12, and higher ed. All of those rated at 75% or above, right? So the vast majority of folks agreed. Then we get into this like middling range between 15 and 75%. Again, the question is, do you believe 501c3s should be allowed to support the following activities or goals? Racial equity, 73%. Fundraising, 70%. <laughs> Go do the work, but no money. Uh Uh-uh. We're not going to give you any money to do it. You can't ask anybody for money, but you can do the work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Criminal justice reform, voter mobilization, and at 53%, religious outreach efforts. What? Who are they polling? (laughs) 
<laughs> like, did they just do the Bible Belt? <laughs> and Holland, Michigan. Like, like nobody on the coasts like, yeah. got to answer any of this. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting, right? Okay. Then the last three. All right. What do they not think that nonprofits should be able to do? Policy advocacy and litigation. Yeah. Which actually got a score of 50.9%. So just over half, barely, thinks you can do that. Just under 50%, we have religious services, which, I mean, y'all just heard the episode of me going off on religious organizations. And yet there are religious entities that are there for religious practice who should be allowed to do services. Yeah, I don't understand. (laughs) What? And then the very bottom, like, we're talking like a 30-point drop, political campaigns, elections, and candidates with 14%, which is the one actually legal thing. So good job, respondents. Yeah, they at least know that legally they can't do that. They've been they've been trained to know that. Yeah. Wow. This is, uh, yeah, this is really eye-opening. Yeah, it's like a little mind-blowing. And yet one in 10 people now work for a nonprofit. Right, right. Okay, this one I think is so interesting because this is a question I get on all the political polls I do. <laughs> you know, they'll be like, under J- Jared Polis's term as governor, do you think the state of Colorado is heading in the right direction or the wrong direction? Right, 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 right. So thinking about the nonprofit and philanthropic sector overall, do you believe things are headed in the right direction or are they off on the wrong track? And they all said the wrong track. 17.6% said right direction. said wrong, and the rest said, we don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But that's, it's not quite, but it's almost double who said the wrong track. Versus who said the right track. Yeah. And again, like, I have so many theories about, like, what that could mean. It's like, is it because of racial equity? Like, do we spin this positively? You know, nonprofits aren't doing enough towards racial justice. Sure. I doubt that's... Actually, what's I don't think so. I don't think so. I I highly doubt it. Yeah. Especially because uh, they did a little demographic breakout and they said younger individuals, those with more education, Black and African Americans were significantly more likely to believe the nonprofit sector was headed in the right direction. You know, I would love to know, too, obviously, like when people are taking this, what nonprofit are they picturing in their head? Right? Yeah. Like, are they picturing the Red Cross? Or are they picturing like their local food bank? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. Part three of the report is basically how much do Americans know, which we've already assessed was like, (laughs) not much. So one of the questions was like, how would you rate your level of knowledge about charitable giving and philanthropy? 62.6% said novice. Wow. So we have a lot of room in the education space. Yeah, absolutely. And also based on some of these responses, the 35.9% that said knowledgeable, I want to be like, you sure about that? (laughs) (laughs) You might want to adjust your answer. (laughs) Yeah. There were some questions like, have you heard about these different philanthropic entities, those same ones we've gone through? Interestingly, the lowest three where people just didn't really know about them, donor advised funds, giving circles and impact investing. Which makes sense. I mean, they're a little bit more technical, a little bit more specialized. And they're relatively newer. 
Yeah, kind of. Well, giving circles and impact investing are. Yeah. But donor advice funds, while they maybe have been around, like the boon of them has just been in the last decade. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally right. I thought this was interesting. They asked, what's the current annual minimum required foundation payout rate? They did. Yeah. Again, first off, not a payout requirement. It's a spend. But also, like, what a very specific thing to ask. So specific. I mean, I feel like it was during this podcast that, like, both of us have learned that amount. Exactly. Well, and considering that, you know, that applies to foundations, obviously, but also to DAFs, too, right? And nobody knows what a DAF is. So how would they know? So did what did, did people just guess? Yeah. Uh, it looks like they gave them a few options. 33% guess right at 5%. The majority said that there's no minimum payout, though. Okay. Interesting. This one I did think was really interesting. In your opinion, which of the following should foundations do? Either give their assets away quickly or immediately, spend down model, or reserve their assets to give away over time or in perpetuity, perpetual model. I guarantee everybody said perpetual model. 80% said perpetual. Of course. Yeah. So, and then they asked about policies. Like, do you actually understand how the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act impacted standard deductions and all this other stuff? Which, again, it just reaffirms that folks just don't really know much about the intricacies of this. Which I wouldn't expect, quite frankly. How do we educate them? That was going to be my question to you. What do we do? What do we do? Like, are we putting together like some sort of training? Oh, my God. Nonprofit Reframe Roadshow. Yes. I, I can picture it already. We've got some like game show aspects, some fun prizes. We bring out a musical act just to break it up in the middle. How do we get people to come? Hey, come see. Come see this roadshow about what philanthropy is. <laughs> It's like such a dull subject, right? Like, of course, we love it. And thank goodness there's enough people that love it that want to listen to us. I, I can like the advertising run itself. Hey, you don't trust nonprofits? Come to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, though, it does speak to fundraisers, marketing teams in nonprofits. We always assume a certain level of intelligence of our donors. And I think that's true about like the work, the community, et cetera. We can't make that same assumption about their knowledge of philanthropy and fundraising and giving. Yeah. So let's educate whenever we can. I know. I mean, we talk about the educating about the hard stuff, right? Like those hard conversations. We just did an episode about it. And I was like, oh, about the complicity, right? And how it really takes a relationship. You have to build a relationship, yada, yada this information that really you can just share like openly totally i think it's it's just pretty quote-unquote like basic information that people just don't know because they don't have exposure to it what would be one thing you would tell the general public to educate them about nonprofits and philanthropy well, what I'm now telling everybody, like I went on a trip last weekend and I finished our book on the way and I told everybody about <laughs> I did. I mean, just imagine I like have not seen these people. I went to like a reunion of sorts 
And I had not seen these people in 15 years. And I'm like showing up at a house party. And we're just like having cocktails and talking. And I'm like, let me tell you about DAFs, you know, <laughs> or like, let me tell you about the nonprofit industrial complex. <laughs> Seriously, it was so funny because uh, my friend Evian, he works in transportation and planning for the city that I was visiting. So he really geeked out hard on me about transportation and planning. And I was like, okay, get ready. Buckle now up. it's my turn. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. But I think it's just because that's what we've been talking about so much now. You know, what about you? I also have a tendency to go to the really negative stuff. So I'm going to put a spin. So folks, for all 501c3s except for nonprofits, their tax filings are public. You can find out so much. And you don't have to be a tax nerd to understand it. Like, there are two pages of financials that give you a really good snapshot about how they're doing financially. And then there's like a whole bunch of questions, yes, no, that give you a great sense about their governance. I'm not going to tell you the 990 is like the end all be all. But from a transparency and trust perspective, you can find out so much more about nonprofits than you can for profits individual taxes, anything like that. Like it is out there for the taking. Just go research it. I love that. I love that because I bring it, I brought it up to a client today, a client who was talking about wanting to network with some other organizations. And they mentioned this organization down in the Springs. And I said, well, have you, do you know much about them? They're like, no. And I'm like, have you looked at their 990? <laughs> this is like the first thing I said. <laughs> Not even like, have you looked at their website? Like, have you looked at their 990? That is one of my favorite party tricks. Uh-oh. Like, how how much people make or something? No, no, no. I was, I was at a, uh, a Passover Seder recently. And like most of the folks there know that I do like nonprofit stuff. And so somebody was saying, oh, I've been looking at getting involved in such and such organization. And I was like, oh, let me just look something up. Keep telling me. And of course, I pull up their 990 on my phone. I was like, well, it looks like they've had some really great financial growth and they've got decent reserves. And the person is just like, what magic is this? <laughs> okay, fair. And you are a magician when it comes to finding out information. I mean, you are my go-to of like, get me everything I need to know about this person. Stat. <laughs> You're like... Do, 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 do. My encore career will be as a PI. I cannot wait. A hundred. hundred percent. I can't I wait either. Your encore career. I love that. Uh, so that's what I know about the uh, what Americans think about philanthropy and nonprofits. Of course, we'll link to the full report so y'all can get into it. It's not too heady. It's not like too dense to read. It's got some great graphs. So check it out and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app. Join us on Patreon, Nonprofit Reframe. Patreon has a bunch of different options for you. And follow us, Facebook and Instagram, at Nonprofit Reframe. And stay tuned for details about the Nonprofit Reframe Roadshow coming to a city near you. I love it. Thanks, folks. Bye. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind-the-scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. 
Learn more at BrittanyWilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.